If you have a Bible, will you turn with me just quickly, as soon as you can, to the letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. I am concluding. This is the last one in a series of messages on the letter to the Ephesians. We've been on a journey as a church when I've been speaking. Um, This is the last message, a concluding message now, looking at God's new society, a letter, the letter to the Ephesians, and we're unpacking that as a church and applying it to our lives. So this morning's the last message in that series, and then we're just going to conclude in a moment or two and perhaps lay hold of what we've been looking at over the last... quite a number of months in actual fact and I'm looking ahead I'm looking forward now to a new theme um, soon in uh, the the future so Ephesians chapter 6 if you turn with me then to chapter 6 verse 10 it reads like this finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, so that when the day comes, we will have challenging moments in our lives. We will have moments of great challenge. But when that day comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may Declare it fearlessly as I should. So we're going to conclude this morning. And so if you can cast your mind back, if you've been around with us, uh, it seems like a long time ago if you think about the holiday period now. But we um, entered looking at Ephesians chapter 6 and dealing with the theme of that which is in the unseen and the wrestle or the struggle that we have. Paul says at times there comes a wrestle. You will actually, as a Christian, you will struggle with certain aspects of life and the evil may come. And uh, we've been looking at that. So we, we shared and we looked at in this passage, know your enemy. I'm not going to go there again, but you can listen to all of this online for free. If you've got a smartphone, go on iTunes. If you haven't got a clue what iTunes is, don't worry about it. It probably doesn't affect you. But if you have a smartphone, go on iTunes. You can listen. You can go on our church website and listen for free if you've got access to a tablet or a smartphone or a computer and uh, you can catch up. So we looked at know your enemy. Then we spent some time uh, knowing that the enemy is evil, malevolent, um, is powerful and yet God is all powerful. Then we began to look at our equipment and that's where we're going to stay this morning for a few moments. Looking at how we are equipped to deal with the enemy and it's the armour of God and we're going to look of that this morning. And as we then conclude, we then lay hold of our energy. 
And that is where Paul says, pray, pray for me. And that's the energy whereby we may be strengthened, strong, vital, courageous, grow as a Christian, move forward, deal with anything that might come our way. And so that's where we're going to be going, uh, looking at our equipment and looking at our um, energy this morning, the power of prayer. Prayer is the place of the impossible. It's where miracles may happen. And we'll look at that and talk about that in a moment or two. What I'd say is this. So Paul says, now you need to put on the armor of God. We are equipped with everything that we need. And in this next few things that we're going to say, we just, just one thing I do want to say is this. What Paul is going to basically say in the next few moments, and we're going to look at this together, is that we need to practice our position in Jesus Christ. Practice at being a Christian. Be one, in other words. Live it. Do it. And this is what Paul is going to be saying. You can get some great ideas about the armor and putting on a helmet and picking up a shield. But in a moment or two, we're going to look at this. And this is why we've spent a long time looking at that we are new creations in Christ. Philipp, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2 looked at all the riches that we have. And the key there, if you remember, was about being in Christ, being forgiven, being set free, having all the riches of heaven, the grace of God, being fashioned before the world began, being called, um, saved, sealed with the Holy Spirit. If you can remember, we looked at what it was to be filled with the Spirit. And we have everything that we need in Christ. We've got it. It's already. It's here. It's right now. You don't have to struggle to achieve it. If you're a Christian, you are in Christ. And all of this is here. It's available. And so all we've now got to do is practice that, lay hold of that, release that, live in that. And what Paul is now about to say about putting on the armour, you do not have to be a super Christian to do this. Just be you and practice being a believer, laying hold of Jesus, living for him, stepping out in faith. We're going to look at that. So I want to demystify it a little bit. There's a lot of stuff about you have to do this and you've got to break that and break through here and, and deal with that. Just be. Just, it sounds simple. You say, hang on a minute, it's got to be more difficult than that. I've got about 25 keys to the kingdom. It's not, it's just be a believer. Believe that you're in Christ. Step out of what you already are. And this is what Paul will be saying. So we're going to look at this together and look at what it means to put on the helmet, lay hold of the belt, and what does it all mean? And that's where we're going to go. So practice your position in Christ and through Christ. And everything we're about to read now, everything that we're about to look at, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, shoes fitted with the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. The, the sword, the, we are going to see that all of these things, that all the qualities of Jesus, we're in Christ. All these things are ours. They're in, they're available now. You don't have to struggle or strive. Just be. And we're going to look at how we can be and how we can live and how we can lay hold of these things in the days for our lives. So, Paul says there, put on the belt of truth. Um, Paul was at this time in prison, house arrest, probably chained to a soldier, a Roman soldier. So when Paul talks about the struggles of life and the evil against us, but don't worry, we've got all the strength in God and we're all released in, in, to, in God's kingdom. He's now looking at a soldier and he gets this picture of helmets and he now likens and uses that picture uh, to the equipment that we have as Christians. And he, he takes, it's, it's a metaphoric, uh, he's using the, the 
a picture language. Um, but how powerful is this? What we're about to look at is the a way to live a powerful, amazing Christian life. And so he says, put on the belt of truth. He's looking at a soldier's um, um, armory. A, a, a soldier wore a belt. Onto that was the, the scabbard for the sword. And the belt held up his held his tunic in place and held up, you might call it a skirt, but whatever you want to, you know, something like that. And it would hold everything together. And, um, you know, in the ancient East, a belt, um, the way that people were dressed, if you wanted to get somewhere in a hurry, you would tuck your garments up into your belt. So, because in the ancient East, you know, both, both men, uh, uh, men and women, but men wore garments that would flow around their ankles. It would be, a, you know, you see, you see Eastern um, people on, on TV and on telly, people say in Egypt, uh, the sort of the, the, people, the way that people would dress. If you can imagine that Eastern type of dress, well, it, the belt gave an opportunity to, to lay hold of your garments and tuck them into your belt so that you could get somewhere. In, in uh, Luke chapter 15, when the father runs to his son, he tucks his garment in his belt, which was a bit undignified. Because he'd be running a bit bare-legged, you could see, and and so that he could run after to the sun, and so a Roman soldier, the belt was really powerful. It allowed you to be uncluttered. It allowed you to get somewhere quickly, and so the belt is really, really important. You might think a belt isn't much, doesn't make much difference. You know, when you go, you go to the airport and you have to take your belt off because if you go through the machine, it goes beep, 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 beep. I beep every time. I always have to take my belt off. I find it so undignified taking off your belt and doing all this and taking off your shoes. But the belt is more than that. The belt really held everything in place and allowed you freedom. Get hold of this. It allows you an amazing freedom. I want you to just get hold of that for a minute because don't get taken up with suits of armor and stuff. It allows you an amazing freedom. In the east, you were able to move very freely. You could tuck your garments in. And a Roman soldier was able to have hands free for battle. It allows freedom. Now, very interesting when Paul says, take the belt of truth. If you want to live free, if you really want to live a free life, a life that's uncluttered, a life where you go somewhere, a life lived for God, then you need to lay hold of truth. It's like a belt. It allows freedom in your life. Jesus is the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. We live in a world that says, well, it might be true. It could be true. It's my truth. What's your truth and my truth? It's true for me, but it ain't true for you. There is something called absolute truth. You know, in a court of law, you used to, or you probably still do, you have to swear on the, the Bible to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. In other words, the whole thing. The whole, not a little bit of truth, not a little white lie. I'll tell them a little bit and I'll not tell them the rest or I'll add a bit. Partial truth. Truth, it's whole and true and absolute and real. And Jesus is the truth, the whole truth. And we are in Christ. And so that we are released. He says, this is why he says the truth will set you free. It's amazing. And there's something about living in truth and putting on truth and living out truth. And the truth, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth will set you free. The truth, it's a, like a belt around our waist. So in other words, live truth. Don't just live truly, live the truth. Don't get tied up in knots. Have you ever told a little white lie? You don't have to own up to anything. Don't worry, I'm not going to look at you and say. But you know when you tell a little, white, you tell a little lie, 
And then you think, I've got to remember what I've told someone, so I have to tell it again. And then you think to yourself, I've told that, and then they've told somebody else. And then you, and before you know it, what's a little thing can tie you up in knots. Maybe you do it a bit. Maybe you do it quite a lot. I don't know. But sometimes the truth sets us free. Live true. Live Jesus. Live true. Live free. It says of George Washington that he couldn't tell a lie, whether that's anecdotal, it's a legend, when he chopped down a cherry tree and his, his, his dad told him off, quite disciplinarian. But George Washington was a man, it's, it's in American history, the first president of the United States was a man who lived on truth, was to, even if it cost him, even if it cost him. And um, we're called to live the truth not be perfect. We're not perfect, but to live, to be Jesus, to live Jesus, the truth to set you free, to live that out. And it would be like a belt. It would allow freedom in your life. It would allow you to move on in God. I meet so many Christians, oh, I'm not getting anywhere, I'm not going anywhere. Live true, live free. Belt of truth around your waist. Live truth, live in it, live it, Jesus. Be it, be truth, be the truth, and live the truth, and let Jesus the truth. Um, come through your heart and life. The second thing he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, Jesus is our righteousness. To be righteous is to be right, to be in right standing. When God looks at you, he looks at you as a Christian and says, you're right with me. You are righteous. That's what it means. It's not all spiritual language. You know, as a, before I became a Christian, I was not right with God. None of us are right with God on the face of this earth because we live in sin. Living in sin isn't just living with somebody or doing something or, or being naughty or telling lies. Or, it's to live without God, live life without God, live for myself without God, make my own decisions without God. That's to be in sin. And all of us in the world are like that. It comes to a point in our lives when we ask the Lord Jesus, God, the Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ, forgiveness, forgive me for I live for myself. I now want to live for you. And God has made that provision of living for him through the death and resurrection of his son Jesus. And so we ask Jesus for forgiveness that he might forgive us and stand in our gap so that we can get to the Father. As a Christian, I'm now in right standing because of Jesus. Righteous. You are righteous. You might not feel much about that this morning. You might not feel like a, a very good Christian or a very good person. But God looks at you and says, you are right with me. So live right. You are right in Christ. Now live that way. You don't have to do anything. We don't have to be going around. But it's like a breastplate, he says. Righteous, right life, right with God, right relationship. Being right with God. It will say, well, guard your heart. The breastplate of righteousness. God looks at you and me. The heart. In the East, the heart is the seat of emotions. It's the whole of our lives, the totality of our life. Today we live in the, we're cerebral in the modern world. It's all to do with the brain. But in the East, it was about the heart. It's about who you are, the whole of you, the totality. And so God says, the right, being in right relationship with God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, will guard your heart and life and set you free and true. Be like a guard on the very sense. So live righteous, live in truth. Now Paul says, put on the breastplate. I hear people saying this morning, I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, unless you live right, it's not going to do you much good. It's just an incantation. If you pray that way, God bless you. I'm not attacking you, but you've got to back it up by practicing the position. Live right. 
And that's just live in relationship with Jesus. Live in relationship with Jesus Christ. It will guard your heart so the truth will set you free. You'll have a freedom in your life and your heart will be guarded in life. I meet so many people whose hearts are broken. I meet lots of people who are so anxious today. Know that you're right with God. That this decision I'm making in my life, it's right with God. The job that I'm in right now, it's right with God. I'm walking on this earth and I'm walking right with God. I've got to do that each day. I've got to come to him each day perhaps. Not take that for granted. But it will guard your heart, says Jesus. Guard your heart. Okay, moving on as soon as we can then. So to be in right, right put on the breastplate of righteousness. He says, um, then thirdly, so when God looks at you, you're not guilty. God looks at you, you're not guilty. Thirdly, he says, put on the shoes of the gospel of peace and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know, in, 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 um, in, if you look at it, I'm into this sort of stuff. You might not be. I've got books on Romans and stuff like that. I was only looking it up the other day. My family, they just sort of, you know, and when we went to Rome and we looked at the Colosseum, Oh my word! I bored them to—I bored them completely. But um, they took a bit of note because it was pretty awesome stuff. We looked round; it was great, and saw the place. But um, uh, Roman sandal, caliga, sandal, the shoe was um, designed uh, so that um, it would um, allow the Roman army, a Roman soldier, to. Um, get to somewhere quickly. Heavy duty, uh, great, uh, really carried. The Roman army would, were uh, an army that could march. Um, in the Falklands War, the paratroop regiment did something called yomping. And it was uh, that they, when they landed with all their gear through the water, they then didn't just walk, they almost jogged all the way to the next battlefield, um, which is incredible. I don't know how, how these, these guys... The Romans were that fit and strong. And they would almost like, not just walk, they would almost keep running to the next. Uh, that's why lots of our roads in this country are straight and Roman roads. But their, their sandals carried them, in other words, that's what I'm saying. And um, when he was speaking about the feet ready, he was thinking about carrying, carrying, going. He says, feet shod, ready with the gospel of peace. The, the good news, it's, it should be good news. Looking at sometimes on our faces and in some churches, it's not very good news. But the good news, the grace, the message of forgiveness to the world is something that can be carried like wildfire, carried in our lives. Take peace. Are you a peacemaker or a fence maker? Annette gave us a word this morning about forgiving as Jesus forgave. That really very moving in the time of worship this morning. And the gospel says, feet ready, so that you can carry quickly the gospel of good news, the gospel of peace. Do you make peace, or do we build up fences? You know, when somebody says, that's offensive to me, I'm offended by that, which we all do, and there's nothing wrong at times when we feel like that, but offense, we build up a fence, don't we? Put up a fence, don't we? And we're to bring the gospel of peace, and to take it wherever we go. Pull fences down, pull fences down. And this is what he's saying, be prepared. And you know what? That can change families. It can change workplace. Say, the devil's coming at me. Take feet ready with the gospel of peace. Take peace. Just be it. Take it somewhere with you. Okay, moving on then. goes on to say, um, 
Take up the shield of faith so that you can extinguish every fiery dart. The shield of faith. Roman shield, very big, like a big oblong, covered from the from almost from my nose right down to my down to my feet and would, would come around the outside of my body. It was done in a way that you could put them together so you could make it like a wall. And uh, they had other shields as well, but I won't bore you with those. But um, there were lots of others, lots of others, types of shields. And not necessarily did they carry that one always into battle, but never mind, that's another story another day. But, uh, but, but for the sake of this morning, it's helpful. You, could, you can put the shields together to form a wall. You put the shields together to form a wall, okay? You could do. Uh, also, you could, um, you could carry your wounded on a shield, a bit like a stretcher bearer. Helpful as well. So that's interesting, isn't it? You could carry the wounded. You, ca- you, could, you could carry the wounded. This is interesting. And you can put the shields together. So he says, take up the shield of faith. Faith. What is faith? Faith is this. It's trust. You're all exercising faith right now. I always say this. You are sitting on a seat, and you're trusting that it will keep you. And it won't collapse under your weight, however great or however little that is. That's faith. You're sitting on it. It's trust. Faith in God is basically trust. You're trusting God. In the way in which you've just, how I say it, delicately entrusted yourself to the seat that you're sitting on, you you, you, you didn't think, you didn't come in, at least I didn't spot anyone, have a new look saying, oh, dearie me, oh, tungsten, these are good, I can see, you know, unless you've fallen off one, perhaps, maybe then you might, but, um, and basically, faith in God is, I entrust everything to him. There's lots of faithful people today. There's lots of faithful people in the world. There's a lot of people that exercise faith in the world, but it's not necessarily faith the shield of faith is faith and trust in God through the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we trust God with my whole heart, my whole life. And it says that this trust, this faith, this, this in giving over the whole of your life and believing and tr- entrusting my life and saying, this is my life, God. This is my work. I'm worried, but I'm going to give you. This is my finances. I'm worried, but I'm going to give you. This is, this is my um, family, but I'm worried, but I'm going to give you. This is the um, anxiety that I have. I'm worried, but I'm going to give you. That fa- is like a shield. It will quench every fiery dart. And so at times in my life where I've had, you know, the words buzzing around in my head, you'll never achieve. Somebody once, many, many, many years ago, or oh, maybe about 17 years of age, so it's going back a few years now, being as I've just turned 50, so there you go, it's a long while. But so, someone said to me, you will never be anything. <laughs> Vehemently, straight in my face. And, you know, I lived with that for quite a while until I became a Christian, about three or four years later. It changed my life, becoming a Christian. Because then, I, when I hear that, the voice says, you'll never be anything, I say, you're absolutely right. Maybe I won't, but in him, I can be. Because I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. Or you'll have a voice that will say to you, you, you can never do that. You'll never, get, you'll never do this. Can you remember there used to be an advert on telly, and it used to be where uh, a, a, a guy starting his car, and he can't get it started, and some clever person next door says oh can't you get your car started oh you should have done such and such and the guy says can't get my car started but I know a man who can 
And it's the, an, an advert for the AA. It's a bit old now. It goes back a few years. You probably haven't seen it. Some of you haven't seen it. But anyway, but it's a bit like that. Faith says, when the voice comes to you and says, you can't do that. You'll never get this. You'll never achieve. You'll never make a go of it. Your marriage isn't going to go. Your job isn't. Well, maybe I can't. Maybe this is going to be, I can't do this. But I know a man who can. His name is Jesus Christ. Faith. Faith. And that's what it means in faith. It, that's what, in trusting God. And so when you entrust your life to God that way, uh, that practical way, it like puts out the dart, the fiery dart that says, you can't, you never will, you're no good. It, it seems to put it out. Amazing. Live in trust. Trust God always. Trust God always. Have faith. Have faith. Have faith. It's active Trust. Then he says, put on the helmet of salvation. Helmet of Roman soldier would cover the head and also would cover a bit of the back of the head. It's a, it would sort of turn up at the back. So if you couldn't take a blow to the back of the head, it also had some bits that went down the side of where the temples are as well. So you couldn't take any, any hits to the head. And so there's this idea that says there, so Paul is saying that salvation is, will protect your head, protect your mind. You know, in the, in the, in the, um, it, the, the idea there is of having a renewed mind. The salvation of God, being saved, saved from death, saved into life. That's what it means today. If you're a Christian, you've been saved from death, the old ways of this world, and saved from, but now saved into the newness of life. So we're saved from, now into something. It's not just, oh dear me, that's good, I'm saved from, I'm saved from fire, the pit. Phew, that's good. We're now saved into, though, to live the new life into Christ. And so this idea of the salvation means in, save from, but into new life. And so the understanding there is the helmet of salvation protects the head. We read again and again that, um, where in Romans 12 it says, that be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're encouraged again and again to lay hold of the mind of Christ. Um, in Philippians chapter 2, have this same attitude that Jesus, who being in very form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but allowed himself to become a, become a slave. Attitude, mind. Interesting, isn't it? You know, psychologists study these things and look at the mind and talk about mind over matter. It's not mind over matter. It's about having a renewed mind in Christ and the power of salvation. And as a Christian, you've been saved from, now into. So now live in that. Let that new attitude, renew, transform your mind. In psychology, there's something called stinking thinking. Stinking thinking, I like that, I like saying that. Stinking thinking is like negative, negative thinking that says, I will never be, I'm no good. And so in cognitive behavioral therapy, they will show you that saying I'm no good that's stinking thinking. That's negative. So then you look at what, you know, that you are good. You change your way of thinking. I'm not, now, that's what psychologists look at. They look at attitude. But way, 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 way before that was all uh, out there as it is today, Jesus came to transform, to renew us. We're a new society, new people. And we can be renewed through the washing of his salvation, saved from death now into new life so we live the new life new thinking we've put on the new life of christ put on the helmet of salvation new life so 
lay hold of. So whatever is noble, Philippians chapter, two, uh, Philippians chapter, I think it's chapter four. Whatever's noble, it is. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Interesting. Philippians 4, verse 8. Think about these things. It's not psychology. This is living the life, a transformed life. Christ, the fresh things, the new kingdom, this new life. Philippians 4, 8. It's incredible. And it will guard your heart. It's amazing. This new helmet of salvation. Finally, it, and it, will, have, it will have a transforming effect on your life. It says, lay hold of the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit. Roman sword was short. It was designed for, for uh, hand-to-hand combat. So you'd have to be very close. You, it was, they would, they, they'd throw their spears first. They, as they threw their spears, the spear was designed to go into the shield of the opposition, but it would crumple, and it would crumple and pull the shield of the opposition down. <laughs> and then you, the Roman soldier would go in with their swords very close, and they won many a battle like that. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Word of God is the offensive. It's the Word of God, the Bible. The Word of God is like a sword. In our hearts and in our minds and in our hands. You know, today, today, if ever you can, read your Bible. Get hold of the Bible. Read it for yourself in some way. It's like a sword. Lay hold of the Word of God and let the Word of God lay hold of you. It's like a sword. Jesus in the desert. When the devil came to tempt Jesus in the desert, he says, and the the, the devil tempted him, Jesus says, it is written. He did this a number of times and defeated the devil in the temptation by saying, it is written, it is written. Jesus did that himself, very son of God. If he needed to know the word of God in his heart, so do we. Do we not need to know? I had an amazing experience recently. With this, we're coming to a conclusion. I had an amazing experience doing some weeding around the church and around the the grounds here. And uh, I just was. Don't ask me why, but that's another story. But anyway, I was doing some and... um, while I'm outside, different people will stop and talk to me, which I thought was pretty cool, pretty interesting, actually. I had amazing conversations with a number of people. It was awesome. And, um, and one guy, leaning over the fence, said, who's the pastor here? So I said, well, I am. He was a bit surprised. Um, I was pretty dirty with weeds at the time. And we got talking. Anyway, cut a long story short, man started to talk about his life, the, the complaint with his lungs, and then said something like, I'm not going to say his name, but he said, got involved with some Jehovah's Witnesses and said, I'm involved with them, but I'm not one of them, and I don't think I can ever inherit Paradise Earth. I won't go down that story, but Jehovah's Witnesses believe if you live a life as a good witness, you can live forever on Paradise Earth. And this man said, I'm not good enough. And anyway, this man was a Christian who had left church and got wrapped up with the witnesses somehow. But anyway, I talked about coming back to Jesus Christ and we talked about that and he was, you know, listening, listening. And then I felt the Holy Spirit give me a word for him. And it's a word from the word. Sword of the Spirit. 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. And it goes something like, um, if we confess our sins, God will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's, that's the gist of 1 John 1, 9. And I, I shared it. And so he wrote it down on his hand. We were looking to find it. And I said, if you're a Christian, you can come back to him and he will cleanse you if you ask him for forgiveness. And, all, and I can say categorically, you will live on paradise earth. If you believe that, the new heavens and the new earth and the earth coming down. I said, you 
will be seen in the kingdom of God. You see, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. I don't know what sword you've got. When you go to the cupboard for a sword, what do you get? Do you know the word of God? I'm not saying you have to... How do I know 1 John 1, 9? Because I committed it... I committed it. I committed it to memory some years ago when I was on a disciple course. Because it was, I thought, that's good. I need that for my life because I'm not a very good person. And I need this every day. If I confess my sins, God will heal, cleanse and forgive me. You know, the sword of the spirit. I would say to you, I'm having a fresh regard for the word of God. I'm, I'm working my way. I've nearly finished through Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel is jumping and becoming fresh and alive to me. And I've read it so many times. And I'm reading a chapter uh, uh, a day and, and, and I go back to it. And to me, it's burning like fire. And I'm seeing Jesus afresh. I've been introduced to the fresh to Jesus again by working my way through Luke. I would say to you, get hold of the word of God for yourself. Whether you read a chapter a day, half a chapter a day, or you have a reading program, get hold of the word of God and let the word of God get hold of you. Sword of the Spirit. Then the energy that we need, there's the equipment, the energy. Paul finally says this. And finally, pray in the Spirit, verse 18, and on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Always pray. Prayer is our energy. If you've got the enemy, we know the equipment. Now the energy. We are energized as we pray. Pray always, says Paul. Always pray. A man called Yonggi Cho, he stood, uh, stood uh, maybe retired, he's a sort of executive pastor, in the Yoida Full Gospel Church in Seoul, South Korea. It's a church of over 500,000 people. That's a guesstimate. It's probably a lot more than that now. He put the amazing growth of that church down to this one factor, the power of the place of prayer in the life of that church. If you can go on YouTube, you go on YouTube and you Google Yoida Full Gospel Church, have a look at them at prayer. It might not be the way that we would do it, but boy, it makes the hairs on your head and the back of your uh, neck stand. It's incredible. There's an atmosphere of faith that is released. I know in Korea they come from a Buddhist background, so they, they trade off the Buddhism and they now embrace prayer. God, there's a real desire to really love and know God. But energy, if ever there was a church that's energized, it's the Yoida Full Gospel Church of South Korea. In actual fact, South Korea has the biggest Presbyterian church in the world, the biggest Methodist church in the world, as well as the biggest Pentecostal church in the world. And the key to all those churches is that they have the energy of prayer is placed at the highest point. You know, some years ago I had the opportunity, I visited a church in Brazil in the Amazon region of the Brazil, if you look on a map, there's a city called Manaus. It's in the northern part, near the, no, the, the, the equator, wherever it is. And on that church, the first Presbyterian church in Manaus was amazing. When I visited that church with some other friends, it was like we were in, well, I've never been to heaven, but it felt like heaven. Awesome sense of the presence and the holiness of God. But that was a church that prayed. It was vital. It was alive. And prayer, it was just spontaneous. It was incredible. Prayer is our energy. Always pray, says Paul. Know your enemy. Be alert. Lay hold of your equipment as a Christian. Lay hold of all these things. And pray for the release of our hearts right now. You know, uh, as we come together as a church, there would be lots of opportunities to come to pray with us together. I'd encourage us to lay hold this, uh, this fresh September. Lay hold of the energy of God. Prayer is the place of miracles. Let's pray. Bless you. As we conclude 
this series in Ephesians, God's New Society. We're called, we've been renewed and reminded that we as Christians are now in Christ, have all the riches of heaven in Christ. We are rich. We're so rich. We have all the grace of God. We're filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. Our names are in the book of life. We're sealed in the Spirit. We're forgiven. We're lavished with love. We are in Christ. We've been, we've been looking at living our lives as husbands, wives, families, parents, children, our work, our life balance, living as light, now dealing with the, the area of our struggle and our war. And as believers in Christ this morning, we're called to live as a new society, live a new life, the fresh life of God, energized this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, see our hearts this morning as we come before you. You know, we can hear stuff, and it's not that we're telling anybody what we should be doing or not doing, but we just want to open up our hearts to your living word. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here this morning alive. You are here this morning alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your, you are the living word. Thank you for your written word, the Bible, that I can also encounter you alive through the written word. I pray that as people begin to read or continue to read the Bible for themselves, whether they're reading it as an app on their smartphone or tablet or whatever it is, or their reading plan, reading the opening up the Bible before them, we pray, Lord, that it will just jump alive in our hearts. We want to live for you, Jesus. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, would you just come right now and make something alive to us, whether you want to remind us, whether you want to challenge us, whether you want to stir us, whether you want to release and empower us. Holy Spirit, we open up our hearts and our minds to you in Jesus' name and embrace all that you have for us and all that you have for me and all that you have for us as a church so that we might live for you, live for you. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen.